This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I think it shows uh, shows a lot. I mean, we've, we've had tough stretches of games in, in the past year, and we've been down, and we haven't shown any character, and I, I think today we really did, and I know that this group can show character and, and we just have to understand that we have to do that for each other to to win games really and uh, be uh, consistent about it. Flames showed a lot of character Monday afternoon at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Three game losing streak on the line. One of the top teams in the NHL coming to town. Your former number one center scores a natural hat-trick. Things could have turned awfully sour for the Calgary Flames, but as you heard from Oliver Shillington there, that confidence to come back in games still exists with this Calgary Flames team, and they end their losing streak at three games and will look to end this home standoff with a 2-2 two and two record as they look ahead to Thursday's matchup with the Boston Bruins. Welcome into Sportsnet today. Happy Tuesday. It's Logan Gordon along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta for our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. We're going to kick things off. All things Calgary Flames. 6-3 winners over the Winnipeg Jets. The losing streak is halted at three. And boy, did the Calgary Flames need that after back-to-back abysmal games against the San Jose Sharks and the Detroit Red Wings. They stopped the bleeding. As some will say, they played up to their opponent on Monday and uh, probably frustrated some people. After, like I said, two disappointing efforts, that shows up against Winnipeg. Uh, leaves Plains fans probably with more questions than answers, but we'll uh, hear from head coach Ryan Huskin, others following a big win for the Calgary Flames. Also, take a look at the latest on the trade market around this team, another edition of the 32 Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick out on Monday. Of course, the Flames still in the crosshairs of many NHL teams when it comes to acquiring one of their pending UFAs or perhaps a goaltender. So we'll bring you the latest on that. Also on the program today, Dennis Bernstein of the fourth period is going to join us. We'll go around some of the biggest stories across the NHL with Dennis and spring training getting underway in Dunedin, Florida. Shai Davidi from Sportsnet's going to join us as we start to kick off a look at the Toronto Blue Jays. The offseason in the books for the Jays. Pitchers and catchers have reported. And before you know it, we'll have spring training baseball here on your airwaves on Sportsnet 960. Shannon Cam, my outstanding producers on this Tuesday edition of the program. Fan feedback line open to you at 960-960. How you feeling after the Flames down the Jets 6-3 on a family day Monday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. I'll be honest with you. Going into Monday's game, I didn't know what to expect. The San Jose game was unacceptable. 
Saturday afternoon, the Dome was ugly against Detroit. And the Winnipeg Jets are a ferocious team. One of the best defensive teams in the league. Their power plays figuring things out. Thanks, Sean Monahan. For looking like Sean Monahan, we saw at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome for a lot of years. Connor Hellebuck's having a Vesna caliber season. And yeah, we could very easily be sitting here talking about another four-game losing streak following a four-game winning streak for the Calgary Flames. But something flipped the switch in the Calgary Flames, and it's the something that didn't exist against San Jose and Detroit. And it's that something that this group continues to try to figure out. If they had the answer to it, they would give it to us. They would use it on a nightly basis. But it's why why do, do certain games hold this team back from a full 60-minute effort when something bad happens? And why are they able to bounce back in games like the one against Winnipeg? You would think, okay, look, had some good moments against San Jose, a couple good moments against Detroit. No, no offense to either of those teams. They're not the caliber of Winnipeg. So it should have been easier for the Calgary Flames, in theory, to stage a comeback, to stage a better effort, either last Thursday or Saturday against Detroit or San Jose, than it would be against Winnipeg. But that wasn't the case for whatever reason. And it's what makes this team an inconsistent group, and it's what at times makes this group frustrating. I'm not trying to to be down on the team. It was a great win Monday. There was a lot of good things to point to, and we'll get to some of them, but it's kind of why this team is what they are, and that's sort of a middle-of-the-road group because they can't find that same level of consistency on a night-to-night basis, whether it's good teams or bad teams. And we saw it earlier in the year. That was the most frustrating part about the the losses to San Jose and the losses to Detroit. We've seen this team shrug off bad moments. It's happened. They were, at one point, Derek Rules, the play-by-play voice of the Calgary Flames, was referring to this team as the find-away Flames 2.0. And they had earned that reputation. That if something bad happened, they found a way to just wipe it away, go into an intermission, reset, come back, and have a great effort. And it's exactly what we saw Monday. The team led 1-0 on a great goal by Oliver Shillington, which, by the way, was awesome. I cannot wait to talk about that. I can't wait to hear from Oliver again after scoring that goal. But then the floodgates sort of opened, got into some penalty trouble. Sean Monaghan does what Sean Monaghan does when he's healthy. And all of a sudden, it's 3-1 Winnipeg. And you're thinking, okay, this team just had it out for them against Detroit and San Jose. And lesser moments folded them in those games. Lesser waves of good opposition play folded this team the last two games out. So surely, against a good Winnipeg team like this, it's going to be the same result. Well, you'd be wrong. They weren't affected by it. 
They got a big save from Jacob Markstrom when they needed to, uh, on Sean Monaghan again. The guy could have had four goals in the first period. You'll hear Ryan Keska, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, reference that when we hear from him in just a moment here. But you, you would have bet anything that last night would have, uh, against Winnipeg, one of the best teams in the NHL, would have given them the same result. But that's that fight back that Oliver talked about, that wanting to play for each other, that having the belief that doesn't matter what happens, they can come back in these games. And you look, would it be much nicer if the Calgary Flames were up in every game? Yes, obviously. It doesn't happen that way all the time. But how they respond to it has become equally important and shows a lot of character from this group. Again, a three-game losing streak is, is nothing to be proud of at this time of the season. But you can let it spiral away from you. You can let it turn into uh, a bigger issue for this team. And they didn't do that on Monday. And I give the group a lot of kudos. I give Nazem Kadri a lot of kudos. I give Jacob Markstrom a lot. They fought back and made sure that they ended it at three games. And now it's on them to bring that same kind of effort against a very good Boston team that you know is going to want some revenge come Thursday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Let's go back to the Flames uh, locker room last night. Here from the head coach, Ryan Huska. His thoughts following a big 6-3 win for his team at the Scotiabank Saddledome on Monday afternoon. Coach, what does it say about your team that uh, you guys came back from pretty early and a significant deficit? Yeah, a lot. I mean, that's it's, it can be hard sometimes when you're not having success um, and it starts getting piled on a little bit. Um, but right from the beginning of the year, this team always has kind of stuck with it. So I think when you look at this game, the save that Jacob made um, could have made it 4-1 at that situation, and that's probably game over. Um, you know, and then sticking with it and finding a way to score that goal at kind of the end of the end of the first period. And then from that point, I thought we managed it fairly well. So they have a good power play. And um, when we needed to, we came up with a really big kill at the end of the game. Oliver scores his first goal in a long time. How did it feel for you seeing it happen? Uh, great. I had a smile on my face, for sure. He's gone through a lot, so it's nice to see him come back and, and do that. And not just that, he's contributing in a lot of different ways. So it, it's good for him to continue to... Is it neat to, to see that. that being like a coast to coast, like like that, a really really nice goal as opposed to kind of banking one off a guy? Sure, like absolutely. I mean, I didn't get the crowd going. People know who scored that goal too, so I, I thought there was a lot of noise after that, which was really nice to see. So much talk this season, rightfully, about the young guys coming in. But I look at this game and I see Blake Coleman, Kadri, <laughs> Andrapani. Does it feel like a game where you really leaned on your bench? Um, those are the nights when you need them to be the best players. I mean, your, your young guys can give you a little bit of juice from time to time, but when you need to be at your very best, you have to be led by certain people, and those are the guys that have to do it. So Naz was really good tonight. Hubie was good. Michael's line, when we needed them to go, they, they shifted the game, I felt, for us, and, and that's what you need. What's what's the message you're sending to Kuzmenko if put it down on the fourth line? It's not even really a message. Like, we're trying to find a little bit more rhythm and the way we started the game with Connor in the middle of the ice just didn't seem for me like it was working. I, I, I feel like he's been effective with Naz and Marty and I, I, I guess I just didn't like the way um, it was shaking out for him more so than anybody so it's just one of the switches that we kind of felt like we, we had to make in that area but it's nothing on him and um, who knows what it'll look like the next game. 
feel like your guys did anything different after it became 3-1, or was it just sort of a matter of doing what you want them to do and sort of sticking to your game plan? No, they stuck with it. I mean, as I mentioned, that goal that we were able to score off the forecheck was a big goal, and I think making it 3-2, it, it brings a little bit of life back because there's a lot of game left. So that was a, a big moment of the game, and then I thought we just continue to get better as the night went on. There you go. That's head coach Ryan Huska. His thoughts following a big 6-3 win for the Calgary Flames Monday afternoon at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. One of the things that he mentioned, it's uh, made its rounds on social media as it deserves to. Uh, a great moment at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. It actually kicked off the scoring one of five goals put up by both teams in the first period and had to be a sigh of relief. It had to feel really damn good because it was really good watching it and just hearing from the guy. It made you feel good. So I could only imagine how good it felt for Oliver Shillington to put this goal home. Uh, first time he scored since returning to the Flames lineup. Here comes Shillington in with a backhand. He scores! Oliver Shillington beats Connor Hellebach and scores his first goal and picks up his first point of the season. That one's got to feel good for the Flames number 58 as he gives his team a one to nothing lead. It did feel good for Oliver Shillington. We'll hear from him in just a couple moments, but I just wanted to continue to commend the young man on this comeback that's going incredibly well. Um, it's, you know, he's formed a nice third pairing there with Braden Bahal since Bahal was claimed off of waivers. It was just a couple games before the all-star break when Shillington, you know, came back to this team full time. And it was just really fun to watch Oliver. It's been really fun to watch Oliver continue this process and to get back to a point where he's having fun. He's had a fun relationship with Andre Kuzmenko. He's smiling around the rink. You can tell he feels like he's back at home doing something that he really enjoys. And I'll continue to to tell you about how impressed I am, how impressed his teammates are, the coaching staff, everybody, because this really is a fantastic story that only continues to get better. And it didn't matter if he went the rest of the season without scoring, even coming back. And just playing for this team on a full-time basis was going to be good enough. But the fact that he's back in the lineup, he's contributing. He played over 16 minutes of ice time last night. He has the goal. It's a great coast-to-coast goal. It just gave you flashbacks of his last full season with the team on that pairing with Chris Tanev when you know he's got that vision on the ice and he's got that incredible skating ability. And it's just been so much fun to see, and I hope it continues. He's having a really good time. He's feeling good, and why wouldn't he be after a great performance against the Winnipeg Jets? And let's check in with Oliver, his post-game thoughts, speaking to the media after he scores a goal and a big win for the Flames over the Winnipeg Jets. So what what'd you see on that play? The seas parted for you. I saw ice, so I just tried to take it. Uh, yeah, saw ice, tried to take it, and, and use... Uh, what I could with it, and uh, I'm happy to win in. What's your first thought when it went in? Ah, just happy emotions, I would say. I uh, thought it was just good that we got 
a lead and then yeah, I was just happy in general. I know it doesn't matter in the moment, but like is it at all looking back on it better that it was a nice goal as opposed to something ugly? Ah goals are goals. I mean uh, now it maybe turned out to be a little bit nicer than maybe some, some goals you, you make, but I'm just happy I went in and I'm uh, very happy that we won the game. How do you say he was like Bobby Orr? <laughs> that was a nice compliment. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm Bobby, it's just Bobby, it's a one of a kind. But uh, I just try to take ice and use uh, what I'm good at, and uh, today I went in. Were you waiting for that one? Were you thinking about when you, what it was going to feel like when you got your first one and you came back? I mean, I wasn't thinking about it. I mean, I know that uh, uh, points and goals and, and whatever will come, but, but I just try to focus on what I can control, and that's playing the best of my abilities. And uh, and I think I've uh, progressed every game, and I thought I've, uh, I've uh, showed that I can still play. So um, I just feel good in general. And how did you feel about your game overall? You had, that, I think, a chance in the second period where your stick broke in the slot. It seemed yeah. like you were all, all around it all tonight. No, I, I just feel... I felt good in the games past too. I just try to uh, trust uh, to what I'm good at and, and just try to apply that every game and, and uh, help my teammates and, and just uh, be uh, an energetic player out there and uh, just uh, rely on my uh, abilities. It seemed like you still had the vertical on the celebration. You got pretty good. You got pretty good jump there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I have pretty good jumps. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I haven't I haven't looked at the replay. I'm not sure what I did, but uh, I guess I, I still have some jumps. So yeah. What does it say about this team to be able to come back under some pretty adverse conditions? No, I, I think it shows uh, shows a lot. I mean, we've we've had tough stretches of games in in the past year, and, and we've been down, and we haven't showed any character. And I I think today we really did. And I know that this group can show character and, and we just have to understand that we have to do that for each other to to win games really and uh, and be you know be uh, consistent about it you know? Oliver what can you say about Jacob and, and you know it being 3-1 he essentially shuts the door the rest of the way what can you say about his his place in it this afternoon? I mean we love Jacob we love Marky he's, he's a great goalie I would say he's top three goalie in this league so I mean Everyone will have bad bounces sometimes, and we all we always have uh, his trust, and uh, we know that he can save games for us. So, I mean, I thought he was uh, very good today, and I, I I thought he saved those pucks he, he should have saved. You just talked about you know showing that you guys can bounce back from adversity and fight back. Do you guys need to show that to yourselves at this point? I think hockey's in, it's a game of uh, being consistent, and if you're not consistent, you're not going to be a winning team over time. So. I think we just have to remind ourselves that we have to be consistent to be a winning team. And I think we've shown that in the past, but we haven't been as consistent this year to, to be a, a winning team uh, over time. So I think we just have to remind ourselves that, that uh, we have to work for each other and, and understand the fundament- fundamentals of the game. Number 58, Oliver Shillington, his first goal of the season, Monday against the Winnipeg Jets. And you just see a more confident Oliver He's having fun. He's joking around with the media. He's got that smile back on his face, and it's awesome. It's, it's It'll be repetitive from me because it won't ever be anything but awesome, but to have moments like that, uh, to see the smile on his face, to just see a guy that really went through some pretty terrible things come back is never going to be anything but awesome to me and I think to a lot of people, and... um. You try not to cheer for teams 
or stories and, and things like that in, in media, um, I'm cheering for that guy. I, I hope it only continues to get better for Oliver as, as it goes on. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. And um, Monday was just another, another step uh, in the right direction for Oliver Shillington, who's continued to really be a key part of the Calgary Flames. And look, with no Hannafin and Chris Tanev in this weird spot between the trade deadline, who knows what Oliver Shillington's season looks like the rest of the year for the Calgary Flames? Who knows what his importance is to the Calgary Flames going forward? It was it kind of felt weird to talk about that before Oliver fully returned to the Calgary Flames. But we're talking about a 26-year-old defenseman, you know, right in or around the prime of his career who was in the top four spot before he went away from the team for a while and before the year is over, when and if Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin get traded, he's going to be back in that spot. And who knows what this team looks like next year. It could be another year where the team is looking for Oliver to take that next step and, and continue to be a top four defenseman for this group. And it's going to be really fun to watch because I think not only is he just happy to be back, he's happy to take on those challenges and he's ready to be a bigger contributor. And the Calgary Flames are going to need that. Like I said, if uh, Chris Tanev or Noah Hannafin aren't here in a couple weeks' time, and if he continues to look like he did last night, uh, nine games back into his NHL comeback, then uh, that's nothing but good news for the Calgary Flames and a guy like Ryan Huska uh, as his head coach. A couple texts at 960-960 to get to. The fan feedback line is always open to you. We'd love to hear from you on this Tuesday edition of Sportsnet Today. If you're listening live, uh, Kelly in Copperfield's kicking us off. She says, geez, I want the trades to happen. Too worried someone is going to get hurt. I understand Conroy wants to get the best return, but injury is a very real possibility. Could end up getting nothing. Also, is it known if New Jersey is still talking to Calgary about Markstrom? First things first on the um, the injury worry. Um, as we get closer, that conversation I think is going to become more important. Um, I know it's one that Pat's fielded a lot on Flames Talk and doing the Flames Talk post-game show. Uh, it's one that he's talked about a lot and he's written about at sportsnet.ca. It's so hard to tell these guys or to tell head coach Ryan Huska, hey, I don't have... You, you're not going to have Chris Tanner tonight. You're not going to have no hand unless it's right there. Like, unless you're on the precipice of a deal... It's hard to do that. And uh, look, I, I, you can go back even to last season with Jacob Chikrin. You know, he sat out weeks while the Arizona Coyotes eventually figured out how to trade him to the uh, Ottawa Senators and kind of affected his play when he came back. It felt like he took some time to really get his setting again. So I don't know how other teams feel about it. But yeah, Kelly, I can understand why you would be worried about it. I think it's in the back of everyone's mind every time Noah Hannafin gets hit, every time Chris Tanner blocks a shot. It's just going to have to be something that we live with until if and when it gets to the point of, of Craig Conroy feels like he can't take that chance anymore because of trades there on the horizon. As far as the Markstrom stuff, um, I'll just go off of what Pat has said in the last 24 hours, and that's that it feels like it's cooled off a little bit. Um, I don't think it's changed the interest from New Jersey. Um, I think right now the Flames probably know what's on the table from New Jersey. 
but I don't know that that's changed anything as far as what's going to happen with the deal. And the details are still, they still are what they are between the two teams as to what caused the first deal to happen or not happen at the end. And um, I think, again, I think New Jersey probably remains interested um, as they try to battle for an Eastern conference playoff spot. But uh, at this point, it doesn't feel like it's maybe as hot and heavy as it was even say a week ago at this time. Uh, this one says again on the Marstrom front, uh, reports that a Marstrom trade with New Jersey was scuttled because the flames refused to retain salary. Doesn't sound correct. If the flames can retain on three players, then who would the flames retain on if Marstrom isn't one of the three? Again, I don't know. You've heard different sides of the story. Say salary retention is an issue or wasn't an issue. Only, you know, Craig Conroy, Tom Fitzgerald, you know, Don Maloney, the guys that really grinded these deals, get to know those sort of details. Um, So I can't speak to whether or not it's true or not. The only thing I would say is, Maybe the only thing, like if it's if that's the issue, maybe how New Jersey values salary retention compared to Calgary's value of salary retention, maybe that's the difference, right? If you're Calgary and you're going to retain salary for two more seasons plus the rest of this one, I'd say you want a pretty significant asset in return for doing that, especially if it's 50%. Like if New Jersey is getting Jacob Markstrom at $3 million on the cap for the next two seasons after this, and Craig Connor and the Calgary Flames are going to foot half that bill, I'd want a pretty significant asset in return. Maybe New Jersey doesn't see it the same way there. So, and again, I haven't heard, and I, I go off of what guys like Pat say and Friedman say who are, you know, way more connected to the team than I am. I don't pretend to be any sort of insider on here. I just go off of what um, the guys know who are connected. And that I don't think salary retention is an issue with this team. I, I think maybe how they value it compared to other teams might be more of what we're talking about. But again, that's not from any inside information. Uh, more of your text as the day goes on at 960-960, already back on the trade front, and you figured we would be there again as we approach uh, the trade deadline coming up in March. Uh, that's where we'll focus in on next. Another weekend's gone by. For the 32 Thoughts podcast has come out. Uh, Frank Saravalli's, uh DFO uh, podcast has come out. The latest on the Calgary Flames when it comes to the trade market is coming up next as Sportsnet Today rolls on. It's a Tuesday edition. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, Shan. Hey, Logan. Do you know the uh, NHL trade deadline's coming up? No, I haven't heard much about it. You haven't heard anything about it? No. Why? Is there something we should worry about here in Calgary? There's a couple of flames that might be traded. What? I know. What do you mean? Who? This is going to stun you. Okay. But there's a couple names floating around the Calgary Flames. Okay. I'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, and Friday, March 8th, there's a deadline in the NHL. No more trades after that. There's only like a few weeks left. I know. So something's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. It's going to get pretty crazy around here. All so right. You be prepared. All right, I'll, okay. I'll, I'll lock it in. Because at any time, you're going to hear Steinberg jumping in here. It's the emergency edition of Flames Talk. 
Because people are getting traded. All right, I'm ready. You thought it's the door off? That's just the start of it. To Foley, Lindholm. We got lots still to go. And every single weekend is just a process of NHL insiders giving us the latest on those Calgary Flames still to be traded. Yes, March 8th, Friday, March 8th, 2024, the NHL trade deadline. We will have you covered here on Sportsnet 960. Full coverage all day long. I don't know if we'll have any Flames trades to talk about on that day. Will things get done before that? Who knows? But the noise just continues to build around the Calgary Flames. Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, maybe Jacob Markstrom. Who knows? But I do know we're getting down to the final, final weeks of this thing. And for many, it'll be a relief that we won't have to talk about it anymore. For some, they can't wait to see what kind of return Craig Conroy could get for some of his pending UFAs. Let's get you the absolute latest on the Calgary Flames, starting with the 32 Thoughts podcast, the new edition, dropping Monday with NHL insider Elliot Friedman and host of the Jeff Merrick Show here on Sportsnet 960. Jeff Merrick, uh, they put this out every weekend and uh, sometimes multiple times during the week with the latest on news around the NHL. Here's what Elliot and Jeff got into regarding the Calgary Flames on Monday. You know, I, uh, I, I really feel for the Flames and everyone around them. I, I really do. I don't want to talk about them. Um, to be honest, the last two weeks, I've kind of wanted to stay away from them. I, I really do think after a while it becomes... Um, it's not enjoyable. Like, I don't think, like, like you know me, Jeff, I love talking hockey. I love talking about what's going on. It's my job. But it's it's not enjoyable to keep talking about or keep, you know, for lack of a better term, picking apart the same team all the time. And last week, I didn't really want to talk about them. But then the Markstrom thing with the Devils came to you, and you can't ignore that. And this week, I didn't want to talk about them. But then, you know, every you talk to a whole bunch of teams, and it's like everyone's waiting uh, on the Flames to decide what they're going to do. And it's pretty clear what's going on with Hannafin, that he's going to market. Now, the, the team doesn't want to talk about it, and the, the agent doesn't want to talk about it. And I think it's because, you know, the, the, the Flames were going really well, and then the, the Markstrom thing got out, and it's it's – you know, Ron and Kelly were basically saying on Saturday night how they think it's really fouled up their season. And I think the Flames are also trying to protect some of their players, particularly Markstrom, and, you know, who is not a UFA. And, you know, I, I just think they want to calm the noise around their team. And it's just so hard to do it. But look, it's it's pretty clear Hannafin's going to market. We know Tanner's going to be traded. I think Markstrom is frustrated, but he's basically says, you bring me something and I'll consider it. You know, so I think that's where we are. Um, when it comes to Tanev, I think the I think the Flames are waiting till a first round pick gets offered. Uh, I think that's what they're waiting for. And if a team steps up with a first rounder, I could see it happening. And I think there's a pretty big group there. It's it's Toronto, which I think is offering multiple picks but none of them are first and their first second available isn't for four years 
Um, so that's a challenge. It's Toronto. It's Dallas. I think Colorado's in there. Um, Edmonton and Vancouver. Vancouver, I think it's very hard for them to do, but I think they like the idea of it and they would really prefer Edmonton not get them. Like I think with Edmonton, it's all coming down to what they think they want to do. Like what is their number one thing that they decide to go after? And they still have a little bit of time to figure it out here. Um, but that's like, they're, they're going to take a swing. Um, you know, Ken Holland has joked before, nobody's traded more first round picks than him. And this is a go for it team and a go for it year. So they're going to do it again, probably. So I think he's looking at it like, what am I going to do it on? And so that's part of this. But I think there's a lot of teams around Tanifin. I mean, around Tanifin. I should call them that, Tanifin. <laughs> I think there's a lot of teams around Tanifin. I think there's a lot of teams around Tanev, and I think the number of teams around Hannafin is growing because now they see where this is going. I think a team like Toronto would love to get Hannafin, but I don't believe, like I said this last summer, that I think Hannafin's uh, position was to go to the States if he hit the market, and the U.S.-based teams certainly think that. Like They think that if he goes to the market – they're going to have the better chance of getting them than Toronto or anyone else. So, uh, you know, I, I think the market for Hannafin is growing. And, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes from here. But, boy, I wish I could stop talking about the Flames because uh, it, it's too much, and I think it's bad for their players and for them too. I think it's a lot to handle. Uh, it's a lot, but you, uh, listen, you, pl- you play the course, right? You play what's in front of you. What can you, what, what, what can you do? I think we're all sort of wondering, you know, okay, where's the, where's the fit for Hannafin? Um, you know, I wonder, even though Dallas is probably looking for a right shot D, would, uh, would they be interested in Noah Hannafin? And they just lost y- Yanni Hockenpah. Uh, I want, I'll tell you what, I don't know how they would do it by way of what they would have to give or how they could fit in. Um, but my first thought hearing you talk about that on Saturday, Elliot, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, you know, they're not going to throw in towel. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how that would possibly work. But you know that Julian Brisebois might, you know. Well, they also don't have a lot to give up. That's what I'm saying. They're in the same boat as Toronto. I don't know how they would. I don't know how they would make it work. But you know there would be interest, especially now with the injuries. So that's an intriguing one. That one's uh, and and I still, uh, I'll still, I know that Siegenthaler is back and and skating with the team, having his first few skates. But I do wonder about New Jersey, with uh, with Noah Hannafin as well. Yeah, New Jersey's a fair one too. Like. Like I think Toronto, like I think Toronto and Tampa are kind of in the same boat. Like they don't have, like the the biggest problem is they don't have a lot of assets they can or want to move. I think Boston and Florida are a little bit different because if they wanted to, they have they don't have a ton of picks, but they have young players. Like that Lundell has been thrown into some things this year and. Like, I don't know that Florida wants to do that, but if they did, they could. And Boston has players that they could move to. They don't have a lot of picks, but they have players. And that I think, so I think Florida and Boston are a little ahead of Tampa and Toronto in terms of what they can do or they might be willing to do. So there is 
Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on the 32 Thoughts podcast released on Monday, wherever you get your favorite podcast, with the latest on the Calgary Flames and Tanafin. Everyone's I, I, I said it myself by accident. Everyone's favorite trade targets, Tanafin. You heard some team names there thrown out by Elliot Friedman, one of them being the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's an interesting one because on the DFO rundown, Frank Saravalli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning and their pursuit of Noah Hannafin and what it might look like over the next couple of weeks. What's the update on, on Hannafin? It seems like, uh, is, it, is it trending, Frank, for sure that he's getting traded? Yes, uh, that is certainly the indication that uh, Noah Hannafin is is going to be on the move before March 8th. And not really a surprise, given that we've gone so long this side of the All-Star break, not hearing anything about a contract extension that that it would be heading in this direction. Now, this is going to stay consistent with what I've been reporting the whole time, which has been that Hannafin had expressed to the Flames way back a year ago that he did not want to play in Canada, that his preference was to play in the U.S. So near as I can tell, there are no Canadian teams that are pursuing him, um, not the Toronto Maple Leafs, not, I, I don't believe, the Edmonton Oilers. And when you add all those things up, I, I can't imagine that the Vancouver Canucks are there. Um, the indication is that he'll be on the move somewhere in the U.S. And I think the important thing to point out is that he's not necessarily going to be traded to the place that he's going to end up. And it's, it's possible that he does, of course. Uh, the indication that I have is... If, if you were to you know pinpoint it on a map that I, I think the Hannafin camp has expressed to the flames that he has interest in signing in Tampa Bay eventually when it's all said and done. So I don't know if you can, you know, if they can steer a trade toward there, whether Tampa is willing to give up the assets required to make something like that happen, how much interest Tampa has in making, you know, how mutual it is, but the Lightning are in need of defense. And as mentioned, if you look in Julian Brisebois' playbook with the Bolts, almost every guy that he's traded for in this last run has ended up staying with the team. So there's Frank Cervalli on the DFO rundown with some more details. And you heard the similarities on Noah Hannafin between what Frank's reporting and what Elliot's reporting that Noah Hannafin's final destination as a UFA may not be where he gets traded to from the Calgary Flames. Clearly still a desire to play in the United States, but maybe hasn't taken the team like Toronto out of the market when it comes to renting Noah Hannafin for the remainder of this season. But it'll be interesting to see because perhaps if you're the Calgary Flames and you are able to trade Noah Hannafin to a destination that would like to extend him and that he would be willing to extend with. Can you perhaps extract an extra asset out of making a, a sign and trade with the, with that particular team? Um, just so much around this team right now. Uh, it's not getting any quieter until this all wraps up. Um, the main thing that you can take from those two different insiders 
it sure sounds like we're at like a 99% probability that Hannafin and Tanev won't be members of the Calgary Flames past the trade deadline. The Jacob Markstrom thing is kind of a monster of its own, and it's on a side note. Um, I don't know if this has any sway whatsoever. I'll mention it. Vitek Vanacek was placed on injured reserve by the New Jersey Devils today. Um, they activated Jonas Siegenthaler back on their defense, but uh, they're now relying on Nico Dawes in goal, it seems like, for the time being. So I don't know if that re-ups any conversations with Calgary. Um, again, Pat Steinberg had said on yesterday's edition of the Flames Talk post-game show, wherever you get your podcasts, feels like that's quieted down over the last week or so, but the interest from New Jersey certainly hasn't gone anywhere. So that's just some of the latest around the Calgary Flames right now as trade talk will continue, no doubt, until uh, right up until Friday, March 8th. That's the NHL's trade deadline. That's got lots of people talking on the text line at 960-960. We'll dive into the fan feedback line right now. You can always text us. We're always open to hearing from you. Uh, let's see what we got on this Tuesday. Uh, Callan Red Deer says, long-term outlook for the Flames. I would love for them to chase guys like Byram and Zegris. Zegris likely more realistic considering the friction between him and the Ducks front office plus his contract. Uh, if Calgary is going to miss the playoffs the next couple of years, Zegris will give fans a reason to watch. I don't know specifically about Trevor Zegris, but I think that's the type of player that Craig Conroy has been interested in that we've heard for the most part. Um, young NHLer with some proven, you know, NHL stats would be nice. Uh, you know, obviously think of Yegor Sharon Govich as, as a prime example for, for guys like that. So yeah, I don't know if, if we've heard the Zegers name specifically, but a player like that certainly wouldn't stun me. Uh, this text says, Hey Logan, could have, uh, could a situation arise where the other GMs in the league know that Conroy is going to become desperate towards the trade deadline and they just sit back and don't do anything, put the pressure on Conroy, then is that crazy or is that possible? It's always possible. Um, the good news, if you're a Flames fan, uh, when you hear Elliot and Frank talking there, is that there's a lot of teams involved in this. It's not one or two teams that are sort of hemming and hawing about Chris Tanev or about Noah Hannafin. You've got plenty of suitors, and at the end of the day, as long as you've got one team that's willing to pay the price, that's all you really need. And if Craig Conroy has multiple teams and insiders and GMs listen to, to those reports from Elliot and Frank all the time too, and uh, they hear the noise about other teams after the same assets that they are. So if anything, I think they're kind of in that holding pattern right now with Chris Tanev. You, you've heard Elliot talk about, you know, feels like a team like Toronto has maybe multiple picks on the board for Chris Tanev, but not that first-round pick that Craig Conroy's looking for. Well, they're kind of playing that waiting game right now between both sides. So by the same account, Craig can, you know, hold his cards for as long as he wants to, too, and say, look, first person that's willing to pay the price gets the asset. So if anybody wants to call me up and – hit that asking price, let's go ahead and make a deal. So I think there's always that worry, but as far as the Flames go, these are too valuable of an asset, I think, for other teams 
to let slip past the trade deadline. So I wouldn't be as worried about that as as possible as maybe other years, I should say. Uh, this text says, Logo, with Hannafin testing the market, why do the Flames not pivot and give Tanev the deal he wants? If retooling on the fly is in play, then wouldn't this make sense? The only thing about that is, as you start to hear more about the, the Flames and where this rebuild or retool, whatever you want to call it, um, the direction it's going is really, say, 2027, so let's call it three years from now. Three years from now, Chris Tanev's 37. He hasn't won a Stanley Cup. He's never been past the second round in his NHL career. So I think for him, knowing the direction the Flames are going in might not fit with his long-term outlook. I think he'd probably like to, to chase a Stanley Cup with a contender over the next couple of seasons. And in reality, well, I don't think it hurts you to have Chris Tanev around. If you're not going to be competitive with Chris Tanev, you know, while he's 35 and 36, maybe you're better served using a younger player in that spot and and getting some more uh, run in the NHL system than Chris Tanev. Because you know what Chris Tanev is. And look, Chris Tanev could play for my team any day of the week. The guy's an absolute warrior. He's a stud defensively. But that doesn't change the fact that he's 34. And when this team... Ideally, would like to get back to contender status. I don't know if at 37 he's the same guy or holds the same value as he would uh, right now. Uh, a couple more texts at 960-960. This text says, I wonder what we'll even talk about after March 8th. Probably get back to the usual will they or won't they make the playoffs that we have every year. At least the focus on the future makes the losses easier to handle. This text says, Hannafin will get traded to the place whoever has the best package. Simple as that. I fully believe that's what's happening um, for, for Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev. Um, like I said, I think maybe if you're Craig Conroy, if you're able to leverage something better from a team that feels like they can re-sign Noah Hannafin to a longer-term deal, then maybe that's something you have. But yeah, as far as him being a UFA and being concerned about where he wants to go in the summer... Craig Conroy and Flames management really aren't here for any of that. Uh, this text says, we'll finish off with this one. Flames got all these good players that were American. They all want to go back home to Florida, Columbus, now Tampa Bay for Hannafin. Maybe they should start taking Canadians who want to stay in Canada. Uh, it's a It's a question for every team. And I don't even think it's... I used to think it was the Canadian thing as well. I think it's the market thing as much as I hate talking about it. And I wish it wasn't such a big discrepancy. I think it's a tax thing too. I think these guys look at a place where maybe they can be competitive and take home more money at the end of the day and say, that's a big advantage for them. And that applies to plenty of American cities as well. Maybe there are some that simply want to be closer to home and want to play in the United States. But I think for the most part, I don't think it's a simply Canada versus the U.S. thing. I did used to think that, but I think there are so many other factors where uh, when it comes to where guys want to play nowadays, whether it's teammates, you know, friendships they've had, uh, like I said, the tax situation, 
that I just feel like it's, again, maybe for some of them it's as simple as Canada versus the USA, but I think I think they're deeper conversations than that uh, for most players. Uh, that's the fan feedback line at 960-960, the latest on the Calgary Flames from insiders Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli. We'll take a break, come back on the other side, kicking off Hour 2 with a pair of great guests. Dennis Bernstein's going to join us. We're going to talk about some of the biggest storylines across the NHL, including that wild game between the Vancouver Canucks and Minnesota. 10-7 the final with three hat-tricks in that game. We'll also chat some Blue Jays baseball with Shai Davidi. Spring training getting underway in Dunedin, Florida. How do we feel about the offseason for the Toronto Blue Jays and where does it set them up in the AL East? All of that and more when Sportsnet Today returns for Hour 2 here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.